0: We are two weeks into our fasting. It's 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're two weeks in, and I don't know what you're fasting from, if you're fasting from social media or some type of food or a certain meal or all food. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you, if you have not been fasting with us, maybe if you're new today, you can jump in. You got seven more days. We're going to go till next Sunday. We'll actually break the fast together when we celebrate communion together as a church. have baptisms next weekend. So if you're not fasting, I want to encourage you. And if you are fasting, I want to encourage you because you're over the halfway point. All right. That was Thursday. Yes. That was this last Thursday. Don't you know that was day 11. I was like, yes, thank you, Lord. It's downhill from here. All right. But if if you're fasting from social media or something like that, and, and that's all good, I think that's great. And you're not fasting from food. I want to encourage you to step it up a little bit. All right. And here's what I mean. Biblically speaking, when it comes to fasting, it's always about food. And so if you're not fasting in some way from some food component, I wanna encourage you to do that. Uh, Not that you have to fast from all food, but maybe you could do that for one whole day. Maybe you can fast from a certain type of food, Uh, fast from sugar. You could do the Daniel diet, whatever it is, obviously within medical you know, necessary limits for you and whatever your health situation is. But I just want to encourage you because when it comes to food, fasting is so important to tie that together because that is biblically what it's about. And Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights from food. And the Bible says in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted and he fasted during that time. And one of the temptations was to turn rocks into bread. And Jesus said back to the devil, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so there's just nothing quite like going without food that then makes you hunger for the word of God. And so Jesus wasn't feasting on bread. He was feasting on the word of God, which is why after that time, the Bible says he came out of the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit full of the Holy Spirit. And I just think those two things go together, all right? So I don't know, again, know what you're fasting from. I don't know what you've done so far, but I just wanna encourage you, all right? If you're fasting from all food, if you can, by God's grace, keep it up. If you're fasting from some food, keep it up. If you're not fasting from anything, I wanna encourage you, pray about it. You let God answer that. And then maybe tomorrow you can do that for the next seven days, all right? Now, if you got a Bible, open it up to John chapter 15. So we're gonna hang out today. It's the same verses we've been in the last several weeks. And I want us to look at them again, one, because it's good to remind ourselves and to dig it in further. But we're going to look at the same text and look at a different emphasis this time, namely fruit, because fruit is this week's prayer. The first week was abide. The second week, last week was prune. This week is fruit. All right. So we're talking about fruit and we're going to see how Jesus is really obsessive about fruit, which is quasi cruel as we're in this fast to talk about fruit. But God wants to grow fruit in our life. And so let's pray as always before we jump into the text and ask God to bless our time together. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being the God who saves, for being the God who is alive. And God, we know that we are utterly dead without you. And so I know there are people that are listening today that that don't know you. And I ask that you would open their eyes to see the truth. And then God, those that do know you, I pray that you would continue to open our eyes to see the truth, to see the truth about who you are and who we are and what needs to change in us. And God, as I preach this word, I pray that by your spirit, you give me the grace to do it, God, because I wanna do it in such a way that honors you, but is helpful to us, that glorifies you and does good to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to read 1 John 15, 1 through 5, and then we'll work our way down to verse 8, and then we'll skip ahead to verse 16, all right? So let's read 1 through 5. It says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus, in this conversation about us abiding in him, which he says abide 11 times, You know, when you say something 11 times, you mean it, right? Parents, those of you that got kids, you understand you have to tell your kids things multiple times. And the more you say it, the more you mean it, right? Experts say that you got to say things seven times before people start to pick up on it. Jesus was more of an expert. He said it 11 times. All right. So 11 times he said, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. That's the command. But here's what I want you to see why he gave us that command. He gave us the command to abide in him because he wants us to bear fruit. The whole point of what he's saying here is about the fruit. So much so that he keeps talking about the fruit. You can't get this fruit unless you abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And this fruit, God wants to grow in us. And so Jesus is borderline obsessive about the fruit, and I'll show you why in a minute. But first, I want to point out very simply this progress or this progression, if you will, of going from no fruit to much fruit. So very simply, Jesus lays it out like this. He says, really, there's two kind of branches, dead branches, alive branches, because at the end of the day, branches are only good for two things. You either burn them or they bear fruit, burn them or they bear fruit. And so the branches that burn, that you burn are the ones with no fruit. Jesus says in verse six, you gather them up and he throws them in the fire to be burned. So the first step in the process of the branch is a dead branch or no fruit. So you go from no fruit to fruit, from fruit to more fruit, and from more fruit to much fruit. All right, very simply in the text, he says... No fruit throws away, but those who bear fruit, so you got dead branch, alive branch, bearing fruit, God prunes so that it may bear more fruit, and then he wants you to bear much fruit. So very simply, I'm gonna act this out for you again. You go from no fruit to fruit to more fruit to much fruit. All right, one more time. No fruit to fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Everybody together now, all right? No fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit, for those in the back and in Jasper, right? No fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit, just in case. No, I'm kidding. All right, here's the thing. You see the process there, right? John 15, from no fruit to fruit to more fruit to much fruit. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's why Jesus is stressing this. First, you go from no fruit to fruit. No fruit to fruit, dead and alive. That process is called salvation. Because see, the Bible doesn't have categories for humanity like we have. We categorize people good, bad. So you got, in our mind, you got good people, you got bad people. And really, bad people is everybody but you, right? (laughs) You good people, they bad people. But the Bible doesn't have categories like that. The Bible only has two categories, dead people, alive people, dead branches, alive branches. And the Bible says very clearly, all of us were born dead, spiritually speaking. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, Paul says. We were dead, not we were bad, not we were quasi good, we were kind of good. No, we were dead, man, dead, able to do nothing. But the two best words in the Bible, I'll say this all the time, make a great tattoo. But God, if you think tattoos are sinful, put it up on the wall in your house, all right? But God made us alive in Christ Jesus. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God made us alive. So two categories, dead, alive, no fruit, fruit. And here's what you need to see. This category of dead, means there is nothing of eternal value that we can produce. And so there might be some of you here today and you think I'm a pretty good person. And we have weird measurements to judge good people, don't we? Like the argument always here is it's Hitler, like we understand Hitler is evil, but grandma... Come on, man. Like grandma? Yeah, but here's the problem. Grandma's human, and grandma has grown up, right? It's like she was just wasn't born grandma, all sweet and everything. She went through birth all the way through, right? And we know that some point along the way, grandma did something bad. And I'm just talking about my grandma's. I don't know about y'all grandmas, right? But the point is this: there's not levels of badness. There's not levels of goodness. It's just dead and alive. So there's some of you here today, you've been trying to be good, but the problem is this, you're dead. And so your works mean nothing, the Bible says. Dead or alive. The good news is this, but God can make you alive. He can make you alive in Christ Jesus. He can open your eyes. The Bible says he can regenerate you. He can save you. And when he saves you, you respond in faith. And that faith is your confession and you're saved. And so the process, very simply, of going from no fruit to fruit is salvation, all right? It's when you're saved, when you're made alive. Then the process of going from fruit to more fruit to much fruit is what we call sanctification, all right? Becoming like Jesus. And in this process of going from fruit to more fruit to much fruit... Jesus says, how that happens is the father prunes us. The father prunes us. Now the word there prune literally means to cut away, but it's the idea of cleaning or purifying. And this is why I told you last week, if you were here, that you can really choose your fire. If you're a dead branch, then the Bible says at the end of the day, at the end of the world, you're gonna be gathered up and burned. That is burned for punishment. Or if you trust Christ today, you can be purified today. So that's a different kind of burning. That's a different kind of cutting. And so the whole process of why God is pruning you is to go from fruit to more fruit, to much fruit. But here's the point. We talked about this last week. Pruning is a painful process, isn't it? So painful. So painful. Because God's cutting Now, I've never worked in a vineyard. I just like going to them. But in a vineyard, you have to be trained on how to prune because you can mess up a vine in a hurry. If you cut too soon, if you cut the wrong place, if you cut even in the wrong angles, you can mess it up horribly that it ruins everything. But what's crazy is the things that he's pruning is not the dead ones, those are being cut off, it's the live ones. There may be fruit on there and you start cutting that back and you're thinking, what in the world are you doing? This is why when God starts growing us and he starts cutting us, so many times we feel like God no longer loves us. Right? Those of you that have ever been pruned before, don't you feel like God is nowhere to be found? Like all these things are happening in your life, all these bad things, evil things. And you're like, where in the world is God? I don't understand any of this. And it's in those moments of the painful pruning process, we feel like God has left us. But I want you to understand something. God has never been nearer to you than when he's pruning you. He's never been nearer. You wanna know why? Because you gotta get close to make a cut. You gotta get close to make a cut. You gotta get right up on the vine. You gotta get right in the branch. You gotta get all, I just think, I think as I preach, that's the problem. You gotta get all up in the branches business, all right? All up in the business of that branch and you start cutting. And it's painful and you feel like God is so distant, but my encouragement to you, he's never been nearer. See, the Bible talks about God as uh, we're the clay, he's the potter. You ever seen somebody uh, make pottery? For those of you over 35, uh, you ever, see, you've ever seen the movie Ghost, right? That's your only reference for pottery, isn't it? You know. <laughs> for those of you under 35 think that's a horror movie and uh, it's not, but, but the whole process, it's, it's messy, isn't it? I mean, the Bible describes us as the clay, he's the potter. And when a potter is shaping the clay, his hands are getting all dirty. He's He's all up in the business of the clay. And right when you think it's like, oh, that's amazing. Start over and you're like, what in the world? Here's what I want you to see. God is a God who gets his hands dirty. Not in sinful ways. I'm not saying that. But you can go all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2. The Bible says that he first created the substance and then he formed it. And what did he pick up in his hands and blew life into to make the first man? Dirt. He'll turn back into dirt as well. But God got his hands dirty in making us. And what I'm saying to you is this, he still does. He's intimately involved in shaping you. And if you don't understand that, In this process of going from fruit to more fruit to much fruit, you will think that God has left you when in fact, he's never been more involved. And so Jesus is saying this process of pruning leads to more fruit. Why? Because God wants more fruit. Jesus seems borderline obsessive about the fruit. Again, from fruit to more fruit to much fruit. He wants us to bear much fruit. And in this process of bearing much fruit, Jesus goes on to say, look at verses six through eight. You'll understand why he is so obsessive about this. Verses six through eight, it says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse eight, here's the clincher. By this, my father is glorified that you bear, what? Much fruit. Much fruit that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Aha! Those of you over 35 know what I just said as well. All right. Why is Jesus obsessive with us bearing fruit? You wanna know why he's obsessive with us bearing fruit? He tells you, because by this, the bearing of much fruit is his father glorified. Bearing fruit, bearing much fruit glorifies the father. Now this word glorify here is an interesting word. It's a Greek word, doxa. It's the idea of praise to give. Uh, the Hebrew idea of glory was weight. And and we just kind of bring that over into when something's weighty or important, we use those kind of words. But when you are glorifying God, you are praising him. You are saying this is who he is and this is what he's done. And and Paul, interestingly in Romans, there's this whole section where he has the doxology. And that is literally the ology of doxa, which doxa is glory. Anytime you put the word ology on something, it means study of, so it's study of glory. So I love Paul because he'll just be right? And and then all of a sudden the homeboy just busts out in a worship song. And that's what happens, right? He's just like, amen. Let's praise Jesus. And I love that. And so when he does that in Romans, what he's doing there is he's glorifying God. He's praising God. And so here's the connection that Jesus is saying. He's saying when fruit grows, it's worship to God. It glorifies him. Now, why does it glorify him? It glorifies God because you used to be a dead branch and now you're a branch full of fruit. You used to be a dead branch, now you're a branch full of fruit. And nobody, but God can take credit for that because you can't make yourself from a dead branch into a live branch. You for sure can't make yourself produce any fruit. And what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about here? Very simply, I think it's two things. First, I think he's referencing to Galatians chapter five, where he talk, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. There's eight of them. That is the fruit that God wants to grow in us. So here's the good news about the fruit that God wants to grow in us. All that list, the fruit of the Spirit, which by the way, that list is singular. The word there, fruit, is not plural, it's singular, which means that whole basket of fruit comes to you in the Spirit. You don't get one of them, and then later you get another one, then later you get another one, then later you get another one. When you go from no fruit to fruit, you have now all of them, but you have all of them now in seed form. So what God does in this whole process of growing fruit is he grows more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness, more gentleness, right? More faithfulness, more self-control. Who doesn't want more of that? And this is the good news. The good news is the more of that you get, which is good for you, it glorifies him. The good news about the gospel is very simply this. What glorifies God is good for you. What glorifies God is good for you. It's good for you. See, Jesus was obsessive about glorifying God. He was obsessive about it. I want you to understand something. And just in case you think I'm about to say heresy, please understand me. Jesus primarily did not come here to save you. He primarily came here to glorify his father to glorify his father. This is why he said, I only do what I see the father doing. I do it because he told me to. Now he chose to do it. So he came here to glorify his father. But again, the good news is what glorifies God is good for you. And so when Jesus came here to glorify his father, that glory for his father meant good for you. So why is Jesus obsessing for us to grow fruit? Because he wants us to have good and to glorify God. And so when this whole process of going from fruit to more fruit to much fruit bears fruit of the spirit, God is glorified and we are helped. And so Jesus is saying, listen, the reason why I'm so obsessive about growing fruit on you, growing fruit in you is because God gets glory and you get help. That's why this is called good news. The only difference is it's far gooder than you ever thought. Again, we we talk about good news, and especially if you grew up in church, we talk about good news as if it was only going from no fruit to fruit. But the good news is far gooder than just from no fruit to fruit. It's from fruit to more fruit to much fruit. That's good news, right? And so you say, okay, how how do I get much fruit? I want this good fruit. I want to glorify God. Jesus says, abide in me. Abide in me, 11 times, abide in me. If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Now, what's interesting in verses one through five, he says, if you abide in me and I in you. You say, how in the world does he abide in us? Well, he says it in verses six through eight. He says, abide in me and my words abide in you. My words abide in you. So the way that Jesus abides in us is his word abides in us. So if you like math, you like formulas, let me break this down for you. Abide in his word, he's abiding in you, you will bear much fruit. Abide in his word, remain in his word, stay in his word, live in his word, camp out in his word, he's abiding in you, you will bear much fruit. So here's the key. The key is abide in this book. Why? Because this book is the good news. The the word good news is the New Testament writer's way of describing the entire activity of God. That's what the word means. When we're saying good news, it doesn't just start when Jesus showed up on the scene. It started all the way back in creation, goes all the way through, through the book of Revelation when the consummation happens. That whole thing is described as good news. And here's the good news. The good news is you get more of this good book in you and you're abiding in him, you will bear much fruit. So over this last few weeks, we've been fasting. And the reason why we've been fasting is so that you can feast on this. You can feast on this. But you wanna know why so many of us, we don't ever see the fruit born that we wanna see? It's because we're not abiding in his word. You know, my phone has this new feature that I like and simultaneously hate. It's called screen time. The latest update, it gives me, a, in fact, it just did this morning, it gives me an update on screen time. And I'm averaging a little bit over three hours a day on my phone. And then it also breaks down what I use the most, like which apps, which things that I'm using the most. And there's somewhat of a, a defense. The Bible app is included in that. However, it's not at the top of the list. What's at the top of the list for me, and I turned 40 this year, and this is how, or last year, this is how you know I'm old, is news. I'm reading news all the time. I've officially become old. (laughs) News and weather. (laughs) And mainly because, you know, I have no cartilage on my knees and it gets cold, my knees hurt, right? I'm like, how cold is it today? Uh, well, there's been all kinds of news, isn't there? All kinds. But you know what I found? Ain't none of it good. None of it. That ain't good news. It's all bad news. Why? Because bad news sells, man. Clickbait. But here's what's interesting. If I'm abiding in bad news, what kind of fruit do you think I'm going to get? Bad fruit. Bad fruit. And you, you choose your network. I don't care which one. You might think some are more Christian than others. They all bad. Why? Because the news is people-focused, not God-focused. And so if I'm constantly abiding in news that's not good, then why am I surprised by the fruit it's bearing of a bad attitude? Now, yours may not be news, it may be some other app like Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And again, I'm not saying those are bad in of themselves, they're not. They can be used for great things. But normally, what happens when you are abiding in that, you were having a good day till you saw what somebody else was doing. Right? Like they're skiing and I'm stuck in a cubicle, (laughs) right? A lot of times that breeds or produces the bad fruit of jealousy, bitterness, envy, fear of missing out. And no, I'm not gonna shorten that because it just sounds weird. (laughs) Let me ask you this question. If your Bible, if you opened it up and it had screen time stats in it, what would it say? How much? Now, if I was really cheesy, I would say, get off a faith look and get your faith in this book. (laughs) But I'm not gonna say that, all right? (laughs) But again, again, and please hear me, I am not asking this question judgmentally. I struggle abiding and remaining in his words just as much as you do. But you want to know why I struggle and why you struggle? It's because this is the only news that you can read that will actually bear good fruit. And Satan will do everything he can to keep you from reading it. You ever realize you turn on Netflix or Hulu or Instagram, you'll sit there for two hours and ain't nothing happened. You open this book, all hell breaks loose in your house. (laughs) Think I'm lying? Try it. You want to know why? Because every attack of Satan is always and will always be an attack on God's word. Don't believe me? Go back and read Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, the chapter opens saying the serpent was more crafty than anything that God made. The next verse, it says, the serpent said to the woman, did God actually say that? He said, is that what God actually said? Because see, in chapter 2, God gave Adam the command. You can have every tree except for that one. Be fruitful and multiply. And for the life of me, I will never understand when God gave a man to be fruitful and multiply as a command while he was messing around with some fruit on a tree. The only thing I can think of is that's what his wife wanted. He was like, okay. Right? But then Satan shows up and goes, did God actually say and she says, well, God said, and then he goes, well, but he didn't mean that. See what happens today, Satan is crafty. So, much, so many people today are not saying, did God actually say that, what they're saying today? Is that actually what it means? Is that what it means? I mean, 2000 years of a church history said that's what it means, but we're so smart. It don't mean that. That's in essence, the argument today. And listen, the longer I preach, the more ridiculous the arguments become. And so very simply, I want you to understand this. Every attack is an attack on God's word. And so you better know this word. The reason, again, the reason why we're fasting is for this word to get in you. And the only way this word gets in you is when you get in this word. Because when you get into this word, you are tapping into the word of God, which is Jesus. And by that, the spirit of God does what he does. You get into the word of God, the spirit of God starts growing the fruit of the what? Spirit, it ain't the fruit of self. It's the fruit of the spirit. So the word of God, the spirit of God, you wanna grow from fruit to more fruit to much fruit, you abide in this word, you let this word abide in you which is why I want to go ahead and say this. One of the things that I feel like God has been speaking to me over the last several weeks as I've been praying and fasting and discerning God's will is, you know, we teach the Bible here. There's nothing else that we teach. And sometimes I will teach through books of the Bible, pretty much do it every year around summertime. Last year, we went through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John from June, July, and August, and then we'll do series around that. But I've been just feeling lately that God wants us to flip that. Not necessarily as it relates to a calendar, but to say more of a diet of going through books of the Bible than just four or five week series. So two weeks from now, two weeks from today, February 10th, we already had our series planned out. We meet and you know, we met last year and planned out through the end of the summer. We had different series coming up. This last week, we decided to scrap all that And we're just gonna teach through the book of Romans two weeks from now. Yeah, thank you. I figured if we're going there, we'll just go big or go home, right? Because the book of Romans is the longest letter that Paul wrote. That's why it's first. You know, that's why it's first. Paul's letters are arranged from longest to shortest, very spiritual. And uh, so Romans is the longest one he wrote. And it's the headiest one he wrote. And it's the best defense of the gospel because he wasn't writing it to a church about specific issues that were going on in that church. The the chapters one through 11 are just his defense of the gospel. And then 12 through 16 is, here's how you live in light of that. And so for the next 30 something weeks, we'll just dig into the book of Romans and see this is the word of God and let it speak to us. And then even in our, yeah, even in our, our groups, because our groups go over the message, they're message-based, we'll, we'll just dig into that. Teach you a, a Bible study method as well, not just a Bible reading plan, but a simple Bible study method about how to get into it and how it, it to get into you. And so as we go through that book, I am hoping that this becomes one of those things, one of those watershed moments in the life of our church where we just said, you know what? We have got to abide here because the word of God is the only thing that produces the fruit of the spirit. But here's the clincher. In fact, it's my point. And we'll wrap up today's sermon with this. Burning the ships is all about bearing the fruit. Burning the ships is all about bearing the fruit, or I could say it in the reverse. Bearing the ships, um, that is not what I meant, all right? Uh, Bearing the fruit requires burning the ships. What I mean by that is this, you and I will never bear fruit if we keep doing the same things that got us here. You know the quote, it's attributed to Albert Einstein that says the definition of insanity is doing the same things, expecting different what? what? Results. The word results, produce, fruit. Now flip to, or go down to verse 16, very simply, John 15, verse 16, Jesus said this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. What Jesus said here to them, he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Now, today's sermon, I don't have time to get into that. Good thing is we'll deal with it, the last part of Romans 8 and Romans 9. So come back in July if you wanna hear more about that, all right? And so we'll get into those doctrines because Paul gets into them and we need to get into them. But here's, I just wanna point out today, when he says, I chose you, he says, I chose you and I appointed you. I appointed you for what? To bear fruit. So choosing is not so much about privilege as it is Purpose. So he says, I chose you to go bear fruit, but here's what you need to understand. You go back and look at the process of Jesus choosing them. In Matthew chapter four, you don't have to turn there, it's not on the screen, you can read it later. But in Matthew chapter four, after Jesus comes out of the wilderness, he's full of the Holy Spirit, he begins his ministry, and then he calls his first disciples. And his first four disciples were Peter and Andrew, and then James and John. I love me some James and John because they were called the sons of thunder, all right? They were the original Harley dudes before they were Harleys, right? I mean, they were just those dudes, right? I mean, just dudes. And so the, those, two section, those two guys, when Jesus calls them, he says this, first to Peter, he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The word they're men, just means men and women. I will make you fishers of people. And then interestingly, you can go back and look at it. It says immediately. Peter dropped his, they dropped their nets and followed him. But I want you to connect this. Jesus says, you're going to have a different fruit. And the fruit is not fish, it's people. It's people. But in order to catch people, you can't use nets that catch fish. So Peter had to drop his nets. But do you understand what his nets represented? His nets weren't just simply a tool. His nets were the tools for his entire life. It was his identity. He was a fisherman. It was not only his identity, it's how he provided for his family. It was his income generating thing. And so it was not only his vocation, but it was his identity. The reason why we know this is because when Peter follows Jesus and the night that Jesus was betrayed, Peter denied him three times. And after Peter denied him three times, you wanna know what Peter went back and did? Fishing, fishing, which is why when Jesus resurrects, he goes to the shore and Peter's out there fishing again. And he goes, hey, throw your nets on the other side. Peter does, catches some fish and he's like, oh, it's Jesus. And he jumps out of the boats. Hey, I mean, just in row of the boat. He's like, jumps in the water. <laughs> There's Jesus, right? And this is why I think Peter was chosen because Peter was impulsive. He just went after it without thinking about it. He's like, oh, don't, I'm in the water. And then Jesus gives him an opportunity three times to affirm in the very places he denied. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And it was at that moment, Peter was done with his past. And he went on to bear the fruit of the kingdom of God, which is people. Listen to me, friends. We will not bear kingdom fruit until we first burn the ships. Interestingly, James and John, the sons of thunder, Jesus says, come follow me. And then the Bible says this, and they left, immediately they left their boats and their father and followed him. Their boats, left the boats and father. Left it all to follow Jesus. So friends, hear me. In order for you and I to bear fruit, there's some relationships that gotta go. There's some habits, there's some identity that's gotta go. There's some income. I mean, just imagine what these guys gave up. But man, don't you know that when Peter stood up there in Acts chapter two and he preached and 3,000 people were caught with the net of the gospel? <laughs> I don't think he regretted giving up the fish. Do you? No. Why? Because look, look back at verse 16. That you should bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So here's the process. No fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. I got one more for you. Abiding fruit, lasting fruit, fruit that remains. We're still reading about it today, 2,000 years later. That's what's most important. See, as a father, I can can relate to this as a father because I got two kids. And the best thing I can give my kids is not finances or even family, it's faith. That's the best fruit I can give them. That's the best thing I can give them because that abides, that remains. And I'll never understand why parents spend so much more time on things other than faith in their kids. That remains. Because inside every fruit is what? Seed, y'all really need to come to welcome dinner and welcome lunch. You'll get all this there, all right? Seed, because every fruit that God grows in you, listen to me, it's not for you. It's not for you. You ever seen a tree eat its own fruit? No, the fruit's not for you. The problem with Christians is, we're eating all of our own blessings. We're eating all of our own fruit. Everything that God's grown in us, we're eating it. We're consuming it, but it's not for you. It's to glorify Him, and it's for them. This is what Jesus said: it is more blessed to give than to receive. Notice Jesus didn't say it's cursed to receive; He said it's more blessed. Make no mistake about it: it's blessed to receive. I grabbed my other mic. This happened last service. Oh, my mate home. Oh. You may get 30 minutes now. I don't know. It's not that it's not blessed to receive. It's just more blessed to give. And if you don't see it that way, then you're not going to have fruit that abides. Because you can build the biggest bank accounts and the biggest houses and the biggest buildings and the biggest budgets, but if it doesn't affect another person's eternity, then it's temporary. Right? Right? So as a church, all we're saying is we want fruit that abides. We want fruit that lasts. And that starts in our houses. And that starts in the house of God. Because it glorifies God. And it's good for us. And the best gift you can give somebody is the gift of faith in Jesus. Because that will last forever. And I love how he says it here. So that you can ask for anything in my name and he'll give it to you. Let's be honest. Some of y'all used that verse and asked for a Benz, didn't you? You asked for a bigger house. You asked for a new job. You asked to get out of a job. But, but you misunderstood what he was saying. That's not a blank check just to ask and God's on the hook to, you know, obligated to answer it because you threw in there in Jesus name. No, what is he saying? You ask for fruit that glorifies him and abides and he'll give that to you every time. It's a yes. You ask God for abiding fruit and it's a yes. Take it to the bank. He'll answer that every time. So Jesus here is teaching us the secret to praying. Pray in such a way where not only you go from No fruit to fruit, to more fruit, to much fruit, to abiding fruit. But pray for others to go from no fruit to fruit, to more fruit, to much fruit, to abiding fruit. And you'll get it every time. So speaking of prayer, let's pray. Father, thank you. For loving us so much that you gave your son so that whoever believes in you would not perish, but have everlasting life. God, I know there are people here today that are in the no fruit category, in the dead category, And they've been trying to stack up their goodness. But even our good works are like filthy rags, you said. And so those who don't know you, God, I pray that today you'd save them. You would open their eyes. You would regenerate them so that they can respond in faith and be saved. The way looking around or talking here as we close, if you've never trusted Jesus... but today you feel that God has opened your eyes to see the truth, then I'm gonna simply lead you in a confession, a prayer, and you can pray, respond in faith, and be saved. So if you wanna trust Jesus for the first time, not out loud, but pray after me. Say, Father, thank you for loving me. That you sent your son in my place for my sin. Thank you for opening my eyes to see the truth. And I'm trusting in Jesus to save me. In him, forgive my sins. Give me life. Thank you for loving me. For those of you that just prayed and trusted Jesus very simply with nobody looking around or talking again, would you raise your hand so we can see you? We got some men and women are gonna walk around, put a gift in your hand. Thank you, thank you. When you get that, you can put them down. But then those of us who would say we've trusted Jesus, so we're in the fruit category, but God has been dealing with you, pruning you to go from fruit to more fruit, to much fruit, to abiding fruit. Fruit that, is the fruit of the spirit in you. But then the second part of that is being multiplied into others. I wanna encourage you, don't give up on the process. It's painful, but it's productive. It's painful, but it's producing. And you can trust the loving hands of the pruner because he's after lasting fruit. And as he works in you, I hope that you will begin to understand the things in life that really matter. Like passing faith on, not only to your kids, not only to the next generation, but to those in this generation who don't know Jesus. Because the fruit he grows in you He wants to multiply in others. And that's legacy. When your faith is passed down or passed on, that's fruit that abides. Father, that's what we want. Thank you for those who trusted you, but also thank you for those of us who've already trusted you, that are still trusting you in this process. Would you grow that kind of fruit in us, for us, but then may we see that that fruit is not just for us, it's for others. We wanna be the kind of church that abides, that remains for generations. And the only way we can do that is we stay faithful to your word. So help us to do that in Jesus' name, amen.